Welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 17. With me tonight, we have Eric. The fifth wheel returns. That's Hello, right. Everyone. And then we have um, that Mac guy. Television, Sean. And, of course, we have Ian. Hey, I'm back as well. Yeah, and I, I am... missed an episode. Yeah, and I am your host, Brian, as always. It's good to have you guys with us. It's good to have you guys with us, too. Yes, I know. Isn't that awesome? That didn't make a lot of sense. Yes, all of your personalities. That's right. I will fix that in post. It's good to be had. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? We're doing okay. So, um, the first thing that we... Uh, we're going to Mile High Con. Yes, it is official. Um, everything is set up. Um, we will be doing it Saturday, October 23rd at 10 p.m., which is after the masquerade. And it w- we'll be recording it live there. We will have audience interaction. Um, should be pretty fun. I've been going to Mile High Con for 20 years now. And Eric was a regular when he was living out here. So, you know, it's a fun convention. Worth doing anyways. But now we've given it something more interesting. That's and a pretty I, late panel. It is a late panel. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, to get us to fit in, because we're not regular style programming, we kind of had to accept a late slot. So I'm just glad to do it. I mean, we're, it'll be nice. I mean, we did the uh, skeptic camp, which was which was good. And so this is this will be a little bit different than our normal podcast. We'll actually have yeah. you know topics, and uh, well, we have topics, but it'll be more specific um, as to what we're doing. We're, we'll just cover a few things and uh, and uh, see how it goes. It'll it'll be interesting, uh, but it'll be really our first live podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. All right, Ian. What, how would this mass extinction change everything? Mm, actually, if you look through the article, it, it kind of jumps back and forth as to whether it really does. Um, the article was a little scattered. Yeah, but it, it brought up some good points about, you know, what mass extinction really is all about and what they can and can't prove about it. Because that's the other thing that the article kind of went over. And, you know, once more, you know, we keep talking about how science really has to look at itself and... Um, has to make sure it's being accurate. And I think this article was actually a good example of that because it does kind of present both sides of the debate fairly well in saying, you know, what do we know and what don't we? And that's more or less the reason I put it in here. You know, is I, I thought it was a good one with that. The article really doesn't make, make a conclusion in the end. I mean, they definitely, they, right. they make the, um, well, the opinion is, is that a mass extinction is going to change because when things right. come back from the extinction, they're, they're, it's probably not going to be identical to what it was. I mean, right, but it still did a good job of going back and forth with the issue of, you know, how, the effects of mass extinctions and really, you know, what they are. Be, you want to say something, Mac? I was going to say or, what I took away from this, I, I found interesting on this, was that uh, it seems to be indicating that mass extinctions are a cycle and we're actually due. Whereas the implication that we grew up with is that mass extinction is occurring because we're making it happen as as mankind because we don't live in harmony with the animals that we're making it happen. I and uh, I it just get that impression of it. But that there were there have been mass extinctions in the past and that we're definitely in the middle of one by what we can perceive by, well, by rates. Yeah, I mean it's a different nature than the previous one, obviously. I, I think that the the one thing that I, I, I kinda got the same thing that Mac did and, and basically, you know, we can all name the, the one mass extinction of the dinosaur, but they kind of indicated that there have been several others. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I was thinking about when I was reading this is that animals are getting the big species are disappearing in favor of the small adaptable species and particularly the small adaptable species that live near cities. The the species that live near man's cities thrive and the species that don't live well near cities don't thrive. 
Crows, True. crows are never going away. Squirrels, rats, squirrels, are cockroaches. Be, yeah, <laughs> rats are going to be yeah. playing with our Nintendos when when we're when houses are empty. Yeah. Oh, the chupacabra, it's doing real well. Jackalopes. Jackalopes. That's another one. Snapes. Snipes. No, I, I thought the jackalopes were near extinction. But they're tricky. They must have heard wrong. <laughs> um. Yeah, I was wondering what the story was trying to say to us, since that's just the story I've always learned is that, uh, you know, uh, after one extinction uh, in the mid-Triassic, then the dinosaurs were able to expand outwards where they weren't able to get ground for. After tr- uh, Jurassic extinction, mammals and birds radiated out, so... Uh, well, my, my primary study of the dinosaurs came from, you know, the bags of them that I used to have with a kid. And I think all those dinosaurs were from the Plasticine period. Right, so we. You, you mean you okay. didn't study? You should have studied the Land Before Time movies. That would have taught you all you needed to know. I saw Disney's <laughs> dinosaur. The the one dinosaur gets along in harmony with the mammals, and that that's cool. <laughs> so I mean, they're talking about several different extinctions: the the Cambrian, the Paleozoic. So so right. each one of those is 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 a period of extinction. And you know what? I never looked at it that way. To me, it was always a period of um you know of of growth and change. You know, certainly the you know you look at the um you know the animals like not other Cambrian and uh, and so on. Or you know were were much different each time. But I never thought of them as an extinction. But the, I guess that's exactly what happened. Is what we were used to seeing went away and something new arrived. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, obviously, since I have a more of a background, I'd heard of all these things before. Yeah. So no, actually, and you, actually, you have a, an ex- well. How extensive is your background? You you have a what what is your degree? I have a biology or uh, master's in zoology. I was okay. looking to go into paleontology. Huh? Changed my mind. Yeah. So you would be the person to talk to about that. Um, all right. But basically, what it seems to be saying is that uh, the story is true, but now there's numbers backing up that we can't tell what's going to happen after ex- uh, a mass extinction by what's before this extinction. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because how could you predict? All right. Mm. So, how is believing in God an evolutionary advantage? Well, uh, apparently, uh, this is a story that comes from NPR. Um, this is just a hypothesis with nothing uh, being proven about it. But the, the, the hypothesis goes that in Paleolithic culture, uh, if someone mis- was misbehaving, the, uh, currently, nowadays, we have laws and things to... Uh, punish people who misbehave. But in the previous times, like the headman or something would have to punish somebody, and which could lead to blood feuds and family revenge or everything. But if the re- if the punishment was coming from on high, then there might be less of those uh, consequences from punishing a, a misdoer. And so that tribes that developed a belief in God and uh, such not it, would it, do better than tribes that didn't. It sounded to me that uh, they're, they're basically re- using religion as a, as a way of self-regulating because they might not have the infrastructure to punish somebody that they're using a supernatural being, you know, and, and, and an eternal punishment to to continue to keep people in check in the present. Well, not every um, religion has the eternal punishment, though. Well, um, this article... You know, the Jews is... don't believe in hell. Well, but this well, article specifically... Yeah, but they specifically... pretty much all generally have an eternal reward. Well, okay, yeah. okay. It's, you know, it comes down to one way of getting people to listen to the rules. Right. And God, religion just happens to be a really convenient way to do that. This one, this article really kind of made me think, too. Um, it, it really... As much as we're kind of been, we've kind of been down on organized religion in this podcast in general and what it does now, 
there is still the very real fact that through history, religion has been a strong unifying force. Okay, but oh, yeah. I think that's the point, is that through history, but that doesn't mean that it's not currently outdated. Yeah, but right. there does have to be some sort of a belief system, whether it's a secular belief system or if it's a you know, a sacred belief system, there has to be some sort of a belief system in order to create a society. See, but we've taken over that belief system with a governmental structure, with a, with a secular government. Well, the governmental structure is now that belief system. Yeah, but it's not really we, a, it's not It the is same. a belief system. It, we believe that the government's laws are the laws that we as a people have made, and therefore the government's laws are relatively just. Okay, but here's the thing: is that it's not, it's not so much a belief system as it as but it, it is. is. It's, it's the myth no. of America. <laughs> it's enforced. But, Do you have faith in the government? Yeah, really. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. But it, actually, government's easier to oppose and fight than a person's religious beliefs. True. Listen, if I be, if I, I I believe that if I go and steal something from the store, that I'm going to go to jail. Yeah. Now you're and, and but that's enforceable. They can actually pick me up and put me in jail. Now if I believe that if I'm going to steal something from that store and I'm going but I'm going to go to hell for doing it. Well, I mean that that that, that consequence to me is is well, kind of I, I don't one know. problem with well, a lot of the religious stuff is the morality of it. Um, I, I don't believe an act in itself is good or evil. We, we just talked about stealing. Stealing is neither good nor evil. It, it should be the intentions behind the act. If you're stealing food for your family because they're starving, that's not, that's a good thing. It's it's still um, society-wise frowned upon, but there's a positive outlook. You're trying to save lives. Ian, are you still and, trying to make apologies for stealing that loaf of bread? Because Javert <laughs> has actually been knocking on my door trying to find you. <laughs> but anyway, still. Um, so religion puts the word morality thing on stuff like that, and it's hard, you know, harder to overlook it. Government, on the other hand, has to um, deny any morality aspect to and say, this is the law, this is how we have to do things. So both of them don't necessarily look at um, the overall um, ideology behind why you're doing what you're doing. They're looking at the act itself. Okay, let me ask this. Which is more real? Brian's belief that... He's going to jail if he steals that loaf of bread from the store, or, you know. Well, the other or, the other factor though is let him finish. Um, let him finish. Wise, let it, him finish. Let him fi let him finish. Which is more real? It, Brian's belief that he's going to jail if he steals that loaf of bread from the store, or Jimmy Joe's belief that he's going to hell if he takes that loaf of bread from the loafing jug. Well, it depends. If, if you steal the bread and don't get caught, then there's no direct consequences from the government side of it. But if you're religious, you believe there could be um, a future consequence um, through the afterlife side of it. So there so, is only 250. He's probably not going to jail for it. No, they, <laughs> no, they just cut off your hands, I think. But, yeah, the point is that the, that the religious consequence may be more real to that person than the legal consequence that Brian feels. Right, because the, the religious consequence is one you feel you can't hide from. You can't cheat. You know, you're going to have to face the fact and find your justification and done it or ask for forgiveness. There's an invisible princess watching it. Exactly, yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. Uh, and here's another thought. Have not on some level 
the police officers that enforce the laws, have they not become almost in some level supernaturally powerful themselves in our way of thinking? You see a no, police car no, I, your, you see a police car in the mirror of your car and the first thing you're going to do is check your speedometer and you may drop your speed five miles per hour even if you were going the speed limit. That's true. Right. But that's not a supernatural. I mean, there there are actual consequences for speeding. Yeah, there's a supernatural well, thing. But, but it takes, I mean, the, it takes you, seeing you, one. The, the, you may think on some level that the cop's going to know you did something wrong if he just happens to look at you. He'll see it in your eyes. No, nah, I see. I don't buy that. I've got to be doing something wrong. And and here's the thing is that if I'm doing something wrong already, well, shouldn't God, what, you know, be watching me maybe god put that cop behind me to let me know i'm supposed to slow down everybody's done something see but there in and that lies the problem everybody's guilty i mean and that's and that's yep. how religion thrives is because everybody's always guilty so Don't protest your innocence because only the dead get off scot free well not according to what you just told me <laughs> if they get off scot free government wise but if you believe in the afterlife Life, they're screwed. I don't know. I, maybe, Government maybe wise, they, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they tax <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> Guess it depends on if it was a mortal sin or a venal one. I don't know. You know, but here's the thing is that, I mean, one of the things that this talks about is that even people who are atheists have, we're, we're, we're wired for, for, you know, for this belief in, in a higher power. And I don't think that's necessarily such a good thing. I, I'm looking at this test that they did, putting these kids in there and telling them this invisible person is over there talking to them. And I, my question is, is that really ethical? Yeah. And who did she follow home? <laughs> Which one of those kids is going to be freaked out because she wound up in his closet? Invisible. <laughs> Can so Santa Claus exist ethical by that? Well, no. I see, and I have the same question: Is it ethical to tell to tell children that there's that there's this mythical being that's going to bring them presents? But the, the, um, the kids, without being told, will believe in monsters and stuff. They don't need to be told about them. So there is a thing where, um, you know, especially when you're young, you do believe in invisible forces. I guess we're kind of wired to believe in the supernatural. Well, I think we are wired to believe in the supernatural, and that's why it's so important for us to really question, too. But the, the, there's one sentence in here that just irked me when I, when I heard it. Because he, he, he says, um, I've always said that I don't believe in God, but I don't really believe in atheists either. Well, that's ridiculous. That's like saying I don't believe in Christmas. Christmas happens every year. It exists. As do atheists. You might not believe in atheism. But you, ha but you can't deny the existence of atheists. So I don't that was believe in God, a... but I'm afraid of him. So, so well, if I was I in, I believe in Kaiser Soze. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm knocking him off for bad English. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, okay, ready to talk about smoking? Let's talk about smoking. Okay. Smoking exists. Yes, we're sure of that. And apparently, this study shows that um, it's healthier to, you know, ban smoking. Well. It is. Um, Okay. Is anyone surprised by this stuff? Oh, uh, here's the okay. No, but here's not the really. thing. Go through and tell what it says because I have an issue. Okay. And what's the issue? The issue is is that is, is how do they know? How, how this is this is this is correlation equals causation. Now I'd, I'll admit that it's a fairly good correlation, but it's not good enough for me to drop everything and tell everybody that right. everybody needs to, to to ban smoking because it's going to reduce all these things. Because what if it doesn't somewhere? Because they're making a strong correlation, but they but there there's no way to prove their mechanism. True, but there's a logic to it. That's one thing that definitely is there. There's a logic. It's saying. Well, you don't expose them to these toxins, you know, the kids are going to be healthier and breathe better. I note that this ban took place in Scotland, yeah. which I don't think is, is as heavily industrialized as 
uh, a lot of other areas might be. Well, what if what if what if for some reason, let's say humidity's been down at the same time we ban smoking, and all of a sudden humidity dropped in five percent. Oh well, so so which is it now? No, I, I agree with you there. Um, there is definitely more that needs to be looked into about it, but. It's one of those things that's kind of like, well, that makes sense for there to be a link. Uh, okay, whether or not I agree with this that. Proves it. Whether or not this, the study absolutely proves it is one thing. But there's a logic to there being a link between the thing. Um, cutting back on smoking and kids being able to breathe better. Okay. Yeah. Well, also, one thing in the study, too, is that the percentage of 13-year-old Scots children that are smoking has dropped. So there's definitely a benefit there as what, well. What if, be, what if because they're not spending as much time in bars, the, there's been an increase of 13 13-year-olds that skew the statistics. Actually, from what it <laughs> sounded like, there's no decrease in people going to bars. Yeah, I know. And that's, yeah. When we had the smoking ban out here, there was the same kind of fear. Oh, no, people are going to not come to bars because they're not going to be able to smoke in them. Uh, that hasn't affected the bars. They're yeah. still doing just fine without yeah, no, um, filling the places up with smoke. But my point is... Well, that's because people discovered that there was alcoholers. Uh, so there's still a reason <laughs> to go. Hey, you got you yeah, no, two drinks a day. Two to three drinks a day. <laughs> and you will live forever, I know. Yeah. Now, the only real drawback I could see to the bars with the smoking ban is people can actually see each other, and you can tell right off the bat, oh, wait a minute, I'm not attracted to her. <laughs> but... <laughs> So you're saying that a, that a smoking ban is also going to drop the birth rate? <laughs> sure. Although, no, they might start drinking a little Yeah, that would be prohibition. Yeah, they might start drinking a little more to make up the difference. And <laughs> But at, at the end of reading this article, if you just read this article and took it as is, do you think there's, there's any question that there's a link here? Reading it and taking it as is, there's definitely a bias in the article. If you, take the, or if you take the article at face value, you're going to come away with the impression that, yes, there's definitely a link. But I think it's definitely, I think that your point that it's open to question is a very valid and, and good point. I'd like to see money on this. Well, and I'd certainly like to see that the, the, the reporter take the, you know, the ethical route here and say, albeit, you know, we have a correlation here. We don't, we don't know for sure that this is the cousin. Right. And uh, another point here that I'd like to make is this is the New England Journal of Medicine. Medicine, and they're quoting, they're, they're citing a study in Scotland. Well, the, the study is in New England Journal of Medicine about, uh, that took place in Scotland. The article itself is from USA Today. Yeah, so I mean, so we, we since we haven't actually read the re, read the actual report, we don't know what the report says. We, we have that we're taking this uh, particular reporter's interpretation. Right. Uh, uh, it did sort of address this, but I was wondering how much time were these kids spending in public places anyways? And it says, instead, the law has prompted more people to voluntarily ban tobacco at home, but I don't follow that logic. I don't either. Tobacco smoke also contributes to children's ear infections and sudden infant deaths. In hey, is I stopped putting cigarettes in my ear. Hmm? I had to stop putting cigarettes in my ear. <laughs> All right. So ultimately, though, th this may be true. I, I just I, I get worried about the way that these kinds of things get reported. They get, even this cannot be taken as gospel with as good as the link probably. Right. But like I said, it's one of those things that you can see the link. It makes sense. There's a logic to it. It sounds like they're headed on a logical path to the study. And, you know, we do have to see where it goes from here and um, see what other studies can be done. What, what else they can look at that has had similar smoking bans and see if they've had the same results. Well, and we know that 75% of everything published in these studies turns out to be wrong. So, Brian, <laughs> how do you feel the smoking ban is going to affect NASA's view? Well, you know, that's a good question. There's you not know, a logic to that transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't been practicing my segues tonight, have I? 
Uh, yeah, so, you know, um, this particular, um, it says, uh, I got this off of MSC. They're, they're basically saying that it's time for NASA to go beyond what Apollo did. Um, and they lay out some things that, that they would like to do. But one of the main things, and we've talked about this before, is um, it, it's time for the public sector to take up spaceflight, that they'd really like to see the public sector be able to get full, you know, from the ground up to the space station and up and down. So so somebody else is taking care of the space flight, and NASA now can can make plans to go beyond that. Um, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I would and that makes- I think that at this point, space flight should be should be doable enough. I mean, we have multiple companies with privatized spaceships. It should be doable to travel from the ground to orbit and leave NASA to actually explore outward. And to some extent, that's NASA's job. should be leading the way. Let's get them up there and get everyone excited and show them it can be done. Then let them start doing it so we, that NASA can move on to the next step. Yeah, I, I and agree. NASA's, NASA's explored the moon. Now, why don't they explore the sun? <laughs> well, because... um. Leaving the Earth, um, you you want to go to the moon at night because it's a lot cooler. If if you leave during the day and aim for the sun, it's gonna be a lot hotter. Yeah, and, I think you know, they should go at night too. <laughs> <laughs> it all has to do with timing, you know. Uh, I I I'd like to see them the entire way. <laughs> you know, we, we they've talked about going to some asteroids, which I think would be a good step. But ultimately, you know, I I I want I want them to go to Mars. Well, I honestly think we will have a man on Mars within our lifetime. Do you? I do. I, I think it's very likely, very possible. Um, the asteroids I think all the technology is there. The asteroids are further than Mars. Yeah. Some of them, but we have some that are closer uh, to us than our moon. Is. The, the belt's farther, but we probably know some astro- free-floating asteroids might be closer. Yeah. No, yeah. we have asteroids no, I, I think between the us and the moon, there. too. I think we need to get the drive. We need to say, hey, let's take the risk and let's try it. And I think that's a big thing we haven't done is, you know, with the moon and stuff, it was, uh, you know, we're going to take the risk. We're going to try it. We know this is risky. We know this is going to um, be chancy, but we're going to try it. And they haven't really done it for Mars. And I think a big part of that is it's a bigger risk, you know, but I I really think we're ready for it. And once we get enough people to say, okay, we'll take the risk, we're going to do it. Well, remember that, you know, for Apollo and, and those missions that we were as a society, you know, willing to take bigger risks as well. Because, you know, we, we wanted true. to beat, you know, the Russians the, to the moon. The, they beat us to space. The commies. We yeah, the yeah, we had to beat the commies. <laughs> and so, so does, it there was, come back to, does it come back to belief systems holding us together again? Hmm? So what we need is we need something like the commies. The problem is they're trying to make the Muslims into that, which doesn't quite work anyways. But also there's no real Muslim society that has space flight yet. The Muslims so are we, not trying to get to space. Well, hey, yeah. hey, hey, we've got so the Chinese. To get to virgins. The, the Chinese are <laughs> the Chinese are trying to get to space. We'll just have to, you know, continue to make them the bad guys. Of course, yeah. they're going to give us the money yeah, for the space program. Hitch a ride with them. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. You know what? I'm okay if there's a group effort for this. It doesn't have to be the United States. It it it, it needs to be the world that takes the next step. And and right. whatever it takes to do it, however we got to work together to do it. Whoever wants, you know, I mean, NASA's good at the science. Fine. Somebody else can build the ship. That's fine. Whatever it takes. Get us off this rock. They really need to do some more work with that big metal ring under NORAD. Oh, come on. You guys have all watched Stargate. Oh, yeah. <sighs> all right. All right. thinking about that underground ring. So. <laughs> so Jen put an article in here. Did you guys all read this? Uh, yes, we did, in fact. <laughs> oh, please, tell me more about my eggs. So this is off a of Slate. 
And uh, <laughs> so last mm. month there was an article in a uh, in the Daily Mail. Isn't it the Daily Mail? The Daily Fail. I thought they said it was the what Daily is... Mail. Um, no, I thought oh, maybe not. Maybe. Uh... Anyway, it, the article, which I have not read, basically was insinuating that women were more likely to do certain things when they were ovulating. They make themselves look more attractive. They they gravitate towards sexier clothing, etc., etc. Right. Right. And, and so this article went through all that and 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 basically attributed it to you know to marketing. Basically that they're um, yeah okay so yeah it was in the Daily Mail, which has a reputation for you know publicizing this kind of bogus article. But basically what they're saying is that it, at least what I got from the article was that they're telling women that that this is how they're going to feel at certain times and and basically basically by telling them that other women are doing this when they're feeling like this will get them maybe to do the same thing. Which means they'll marketing. buy sexier clothes. Right. And uh, apparently if they're strippers get bigger tips. That's in the article too. Is it really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're talking about other similar research, and that was one of them. We see a lot of these kinds of things, and I was thinking about, you know, I, I've read, um, you know, lists of stuff that women want for for Christmas or that women want for this or that, and they're all advertisements for a particular product, you know, and those ones are geared, you know, to get men to go out and buy perfume or whatever. And so these, you know, these kinds of things are, are geared towards women to get them to, you know, you know, to justify that expensive pair of shoes that's bought. But I have to get them now. I'm ovulating. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I bought them. You know, I, I actually I actually asked my wife. She bought a, a nice looking dress this weekend. I asked her, were you ovulating? I just got a weird look. <laughs> well, a weird look's so better than the other <laughs> possibilities. That's true. <laughs> Apparently, however, ovulating women are especially likely to stare at a handsome man. And, so and they're more likely to that wear... That would explain a lot of the looks I've been yeah. getting. And they're more likely to wear uh, skirts than pants when they're ovulating. They emit special odor signals, letting guys know that they're fertile. Yes. We call them pheromones, and there's no evidence that uh, in humans they do any good. Well, I don't know. Is there some? There's research going on. I, I shouldn't say that out flatly because there's some interesting stuff going on with pheromones, but... I, I don't think that they can quite make these claims. All right. Well, unfortunately, Jen is not here, so we don't need to do just to her article. Okay. I'm actually looking at this one about the strippers right now. Oh, I bet you are. cycle effects on tip earnings by lap dancers. Okay. Tell Economic me. Economic Evidence for Human Estrus by Jeffrey Miller, Joshua M. Tiber, Brent D. Jordan, Department of Psychology, University of New Mexico, Al Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. And do they have anything that to back it up? Yes, if you could, as the article says, if you could convince someone to shell out grant money so you could spend your afternoons at a strip bar, then you're doing well. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that. I, I think we need to do a study like that. As a group, get together, we go and we, you know, hang out at strip clubs for a few weeks and find out. I don't know that I need to hang out at strip clubs. We, we need to find something that we'd like to do all day. <laughs> I know. I'd like Wait, to spend my days in church, every day in church. Do you think I can come up with a reason to spend my day in church every day? Um. I know. I'll be a priest. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't as funny as it was in my head. Was, was yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to figure out what transition you were trying to do. Yeah, I lost where you go with the Brian. I don't know where I'm going with it. So we're going to go to... Oh, um, our days cleaning up our kitchens. Uh, there we go. Yes. I'd like to spend my day cleaning up my kitchen. How can I... 
Now, this is another one of those that did not surprise me at all. And I, I think their statistics are way off. Yeah, well, they even say well, that. They yeah, say they that. say that. What they're saying yeah. is that one in seven homes would not match up to the, the standards. The kitchen would not match up to the standards done by a professional health inspector. According to the phone survey, without actually having gone in these houses, that's what yes. they keep. That's people that will admit to this level. I'm Remember thinking this? six and seven. <laughs> it's Los Angeles County, so the standards are obviously lower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, if it's Los Angeles County, then they're probably not cooking in their kitchens anyway. But yeah, I, that, that's kind of what the survey was hinting at is that, yeah, the figure is probably a lot higher, but still, it's definitely something to think about. You know, it, we criticize restaurants to some degree for, you know, being unhygienic. And chances are you're much more unhygienic in your own home. Yep. Yeah, that's probably true. Or your friends are. Or your friends yeah. are. There you go. All right. So. So this is one of those where it's like the study made sense. It doesn't surprise me. And I'm glad they admit more than likely numbers are high. We know it's just a phone survey. You know, I, I can honestly tell you right now, my kitchen would not pass. Yeah. And pit, your kitchen barely passes for kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's a computer room now for my wife. Yeah, that's exactly and what it is. And for the kids, even though they keep... True that. You know, There's a stove there, too, I think. That should be uncovered right now. <laughs> okay, science fiction films that change the world. All right, well, there's two reasons I put this up here. One, we're all Star Wars fans, and this talks about Star Wars changing the world. And two, um, I've... Online, I've blogged about the power fiction has over a society. And I thought this was a great example of it. But basically, the article talks about um, two films in particular. One is the old classic that just shows, you know, black and white stuff showing the people going to the moon. The other is, of course, Star Wars, which pretty much everyone nowadays is familiar with. Now, the thing is, it doesn't, it, it, it talks briefly about how, yes, it, it did um, change the film industry completely, but it talks about how it went well beyond that and ha the impact Star Wars had, you know, culturally in merchandising and everything else. You know, well, Star Wars is everywhere. You know, you really, you can find it on everything imaginable. And it's, it is a part of our culture. It has ingrained itself so thoroughly that even people that haven't seen the film are familiar with Darth Vader, R2-D2, uh, lightsabers, you know, the Force will be with you. You know, and there are, yes, there are still people out there who have denied themselves the pleasure of watching the classic Star Wars film. I'm not sure what's wrong with them, but they are out there. Yeah, they didn't mention but, Star Trek, though. <laughs> you know, there's this, there's another factor here in which Lucas affected the world and that he's in, he's essentially the father of modern special effects um having created having basically started industrial light and magic just to get things to look like like he wanted on the screen he's essentially created all the movies that came after him and gave them the ability to do the magic that they do now right sure but like I said, one of the reasons I put this in here is to show the impact of our fiction. You look at, at our society. You look at history. History is, in some ways, strongly shaped by the fiction of the time. Absolutely. The fic you know, it, it goes back and forth. The, the society creates a fiction from what's going on, and then the fiction suddenly impacts society and can definitely shape 
you know, people's minds. Fiction is a very, very powerful thing. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't give it the respect it deserves. And like I said, I've seen it online. I've had people debate. I've used references from science fiction shows and stuff. And they're like, oh, well, you how do you prove anything with that? I'm like, I'm not proving anything. I'm showing that it's inspirational. And, you know, they've mocked me for it. But my, and my reply has always been, look at our history and look at how fiction has you know, affected people, and it does. You know, um, H.G. Wells is War of the Worlds broadcast. You know, no one realized it was fiction. Oh, Three not no words. One, but... Three words. Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yep. Birth of the Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Star Trek, you know, we for the the cell phone, you know, the original communicator. Oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Especially right now. Yeah, so much of our technology is being inspired by people who watched science fiction as a kid. You know, they, they saw Star Trek, they saw Star Wars, they saw who knows what else, and they're like, hey, why don't we try and make that happen? Yep, yep. All right. And then you get the other side of that, the, the Jedi kid on film on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me why I can't wear my short shorts. Well, no, you you can. Oh. But it's being uh, – okay, so we're moving on to the next one, people. Uh, Brian was trying to create a segue there. You know, we want to catch it. Um <laughs> In the city of Kyrgyz Joel in New York. That's why I um, didn't say it. Uh, strong traditional Jewish city. And um, the people there dress, even in the hot, hot summer heat, they cover their arms and legs. And while uh, you read this article, what I found interesting was, and, you know, the article says this. This isn't a law. This isn't saying you better do this or else. This is, these are signs put on private property. They're basically asking people to follow... Um, a courtesy. certain level of courtesy for the town. This is what I'm about to cough. <coughs> okay, we'll edit that out. Yeah, right. Mute. <laughs> okay, so... so um, the courtesy is basically, you know, to dress, don't wear skimpy clothing, um, you know, don't use foul language and stuff like that. And I, I, I just thought it was an interesting concept because... You know, it, it it almost feels like they're they're um trying to take away rights too, but they're saying no, we can't enforce it. We can't make you not do that. No, they're actually but, they're asking politely. Yes, so it, it was a very interesting concept on how to go about doing that because I I definitely agree with what they did. It's like th this is how we want our town to be. This is what we find offensive. Kindly show us some courtesy. But if you don't, we can't stop you. It's just you'll get dirty looks. Well, this will be okay. social pressures types of things that's going to happen here. Yeah. Ultimately, it, it can't lead to anything good. So what happens if they're ovulating? <laughs> I think they still got to dress up. Yeah, I think it's a slippery but... slope. Well, yeah, but once, you know, social in a town like that, it's all about social pressure, though. When you have that strong of a traditional religious community, um, you, you're not going to escape it. And so, you know, they're going to enforce it one way or another to the kids, to the people of the society. You know, the, the, the signs are primarily for outsiders, not for, you know, the people already living there, because they figure the people already living there are going to be following those anyways. Here's a question. I, I wonder if it's not so much for the uh, not so much for the for stopping people from doing it, but maybe for curiosity factor. You maybe think somebody's doing a social to, experiment? I, I'm wondering if it's actually like a like a touristy thing. Mm, I didn't get the impression of that. You know, we like to we like to look at the Amish. They're quaint. <laughs> hey Mac. Yeah. Why don't you call Jen? Call Jen. Yeah. Call Jen. I think the people that don't like being stirred up will just stop going I to the I invite thee to conference, oh, Jennifer. 
Go ahead, Eric. All right, finish up, Eric. Yeah. They might lose. They might lose some money, but you know, overall, nothing's much going to happen with it. Probably not. Yeah. You know, and then again, sure, uh, go ahead. If you're driving through their town and you get out to get gas, are you going to put pants on first? <laughs> yeah. You are. Yeah. Just courtesy. I'm going to see if they'll give me the gas just to get me out of town. <laughs> Come out in your underwear and just start putting the gas. And it's like, oh well, you know what? Fill me you out of here quicker. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna honor their request. If I get out to get gas, I'm gonna wear a long skirt. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna wear a moon. If you didn't read this article, you wouldn't know what it meant to be courteous in that respect. That they found bare yeah. legs to be discourteous. Just by what, what did the sign say? I don't know what the sign said. Yeah. That's okay. That's the, I, I, oh, I guess. guess it's a cover right, arms and legs. Yeah, Jen, yeah. Jen, are you with us? Okay, everyone, you know, join hands. Let's focus. Ken, right. Ken, are you there? Wait, We're wait. summoning you. This moving on the Ouija board. Yes, she's here. <laughs> yes. Jen, since you're with us now, we were discussing the article about the uh, <laughs> about the Jewish community, Curious Joel, and. Uh, we were wondering if the girl is dressed that way because she's obviously. If it's a Jewish community, shouldn't it have a and you got to roll the R. I, I actually now now, I, now that I've pronounced it, Curious Joel. I'm wondering if there's a there's a sister city called Curious George. <laughs> and Billy Joel. <laughs> All right. Although I don't think Jen is with us. I've not heard her. I like it. We're losing her. We need to light more candles. Burn more incense. Okay, so, oh, what happened? Oh, eh? mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. I don't know. What? I don't know. Cookies. Oh, uh, her computer decided to update. Um, all she right. doesn't seem like she's in the conference, but her chats are not coming. She through. can hear us all. She can. She hears us all. Can she talk to us? All? I thought we heard her. I I I I pass on the interpreted wisdom of Jennifer. <sighs> Apparently, yes, the Ouija board is working. She does hear us. I sense that she hears us. Okay. Well, good. We'll just have to interpret and read what she, you know. We'll have to. Well, we'll have to read what she says and then interpret. I can hear you all. Yes, I do. Now and remember to interpret as if she's ovulating. Okay. <laughs> Spirit of Jen, are she you wants ovulating? Her money back. <laughs> she wants her money back. Uh, All right. Uh, we're going to have to do some editing here. <laughs> so tell me about this. Tell me about the graduate school thing. Yes. We? Oh, okay. Um, yes, please. Uh, there's not much to it, really. Uh, basically, a little note that the uh, Institution for Creation Research uh, uh, was trying to get a state certificate of authority to offer a master's degree in science education for creation research. Uh, the Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board turned them down. They took it to court. Uh, the United States District Court for Western District of Texas uh, found in the favor of the school board or education board. Right. And basically what this article is saying is that the ICR is not chosen to take it on to a higher court. The legal battle is over. You know, they yeah. already have this degree. It's called a theology degree. But what, but what they is want not to turn is a science degree. research into a science degree. Right. And the, basically uh, – To legitimize it. Right. Texas, when, Ohio, Texas Higher Education Coordinating Board says, no, it's not a science degree. You can't have a science degree for it. It's not science. Yeah. Which is really what the decision boils down to, is they're saying that creation research is not science. Right. Which I think we, I mean, I think we could unanimous, unanimously agree here that it's not. Right. But we'll, well be doing it. to catch it in the intelligent design this time, so it's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even try to go that far. 
And surprisingly, this is coming from Texas. So apparently um, the higher education in Texas isn't quite as backwater as the um, public education. Yes, yes. Uh, they, they still know that they still admit that Thomas Jefferson exists. Yes. So, you know, that, that's a good sign. That means, you know, once these kids get through the you know public schools with all sorts of stuff being denied them they can then get into the higher education and if they want real degrees they're going to actually have to learn well i mean no they can get a real degree it's a theology degree it's a, a either sociology right. i it would be i think it would be sociology right i mean it'd but be... they they're saying that you can't dignify it by saying you you're not going to dignify it to say it's a science degree yeah, no. when it ain't no it's, it's yeah, a master it's, of christian education degree is what they offer with creation research as one of the four minors which sounds like yeah certainly not a science so, but I'm not saying that. But certainly, we should, you know, that there is a degree to be had there. If somebody wants it. So, they I see Hindus denounce Pope for being offensive to atheists. Now, when I when I saw that title, as I was I was a little con, little confused. It's interesting. Yeah. So now, well, I was a bit confused in this. Um, the Pope is criticizing atheists for being Nazi-like. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, hold on. He gets that. Yeah. That. That's later in this. Basically, he the the Pope was basically you know what I don't know denouncing anybody. The who, current who, Pope is calling atheists Nazis. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's one of talk, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 I, I'm very puzzled by this because it doesn't sound like he remembers what the Nazis were, and yet he was one. Well, and he doesn't. He seems to forget that uh, one of the popes also endorsed the Holocaust. Yeah, well, basically, the Nazis weren't trying to get rid of God. Hitler was using God left and right. That was, was one of the main tools he had. It was yeah. a communist there trying to get rid of God. All right. So anyway, I mean, all, all that is true. This particular article, basically, I, I, I really liked because the, this, um, I can't pronounce this, but it just says Hindu, Zed. It does mention his name a couple yeah, times, does. but I don't remember. Uh, Imminent Hindu, Hindu statesman Rajan Zed. Rajan Zed. Rajan, Rajan Zed. All right. So basically he's saying that, you know, that basically the Pope is preaching religious tolerance, but he's not practicing. That he's coming down on agnostics and atheists, you know, for, for their beliefs and criticizing their beliefs because they choose not to believe in a god. But I think that the Pope probably goes even further and probably, I mean, he, I bet that the guy would denounce, I, I, I bet there's no religious tolerance there, if I had to guess. I bet it's in, anything that isn't a Christian religion. You know, so yeah, it's right. probably tolerance as far as Christian religions go. So, so, but, so this gentleman came out and said, it ain't right. You know what? He, we can't, we can't come out and and criticize everybody for their beliefs in public. Well, it's the uh, it's the religious doctrine of fac quod dico, non quod facio. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Uh huh. Okay. Well, my point of view is, if there's one person in the world who whose job it is to do ounce atheists, well, it's the Pope. So. Oh sure. Oh yeah. But well, actually, I, I the way he said it, you know, the way he's trying to compare atheism to the Nazis, it's like. Okay, he's rewriting history. But he's not the only one that's tried to do this. This is a very popular, um, you know, way that they, that you know, they, they, they look at Stalin and Hitler and try to associate right. them with atheists. Well, that's fine. Well, Stalin I, was an atheist, okay, but that was all fine. But Hitler, I, I've never seen any, any, any evidence that proves Hitler to be an atheist. He had issues with the Catholic Church. Actually, I uh, think Hitler was much more into that old time religion. He was much more into the Norse practices. He wanted, he wanted, he wanted, um, he went looking for all kinds of 
Yeah. I don't Artifacts? know what I'm okay, looking no, at. Is, yeah. I don't well, know if what I'm looking at is, is fiction or fact, so right. never mind. Go ahead, well, Eric. I do think, he, from my understanding, I do think he had a thing looking for items of power from any society. You know, he, yeah. he wanted things to show that he had power. That's what I'm saying. He, he, he had much more magical beliefs than... Yeah, but, but I don't think necessarily was any one particular religion. I think he was just, you know, anything, you know, is let out there. You know, is, is the power to be had and have whole, in possessing that. All right. I said to recall but, the spirit destiny being, and that's Christian, so. But, no, basically, uh, the majority of the Nazis were Catholic and one other. I can't remember the other religion right now, but another Christian religion. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, there was nothing atheistic about the Nazis. Well, they they even, were strongly yeah. connected to the church. That was how Hitler um, had a lot of control over the people. Um, even so, if they were know, atheists, they didn't want do what they were doing in the name of atheism. Stalin didn't do what he did in the, in the name of right. atheism. Whereas, I mean— Muslims, you know, blow people up in the in the name of their religion. The Inquisition was done in the name of a religion. Uh, there's so uh, many. Of Stalin these... Stalin made his choice in the name of an ideology too, and it was it was the Marxist ideology which states that religion is the opiate of the masses. Okay. So it was still That's... ideology, just not religious ideology. Right. But I mean, you can't you, you can't blame it on atheism. No, no. It's not, it wasn't. Yeah. So we're just gonna do what we've been doing it for, doing for fifty years and blaming it on communism. There we go. <laughs> All right. So I've asked. You see, the Pope would have done better going after the communists. Because so, then he could have been criticized for being um, for being it, intolerant of other religions. All right. So I've asked everybody to uh, give me their uh, astrological sign. He's and, trying to pick us all up. Yeah, it's um, a group thing. I, I you know, each to their own, you know. And then what I did is, is I, you know, I, I made sure that hopefully, I mean, there's one that you can kind of, if you know anything about astrology, probably connect. But for the most part, they've been sanitized, and uh, and so I think that we we should. I'll actually, I'm going to have Mac go through and read these one by one, and then what I want, I, I was thinking, you know, we could try well, and match them up. How do how do we want to do this? Why don't we Why don't we start by going through what all our signs are? Okay. And then read that make most sense, I think. Okay, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so I'm a Scorpio. Uh, Jen is an Aquarius. I'm an Aries. I'm a Libra. I'm a Virgo. All right. So now, so so now we need to try and associate. Now I, we can we can do this one of two ways. I, I figure there's, there's I'm sure there's more, but we could read them all, and then everybody could pick the one that most they think most resembles them, or we could try and match up. The the um, match them up to the particular person. All right, let me go ahead and read off the first. Okay. Number one, there are several problems that you can now see how to solve, and one or two that you feel completely baffled. You are clever and resourceful, experienced and sensible. And when you come up against something that foxes you, it is only ever for one of two reasons: either the matter in question touches on a raw emotional nerve, thus preventing you from seeing it objectively, or it really is a uniquely impossible situation. You face nothing that's difficult to conquer now, other perhaps than your own self-doubt. Wow. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> How'd you like my reading on that one, by that, the way? That was fantastic. That was I don't believe in uniquely nice impossible situations. What's that? Like James D. Kirk, I don't believe in uniquely impossible situations. All right. Then I don't nice. think you would choose that one. All right. Read the next to one. To me, I, I'm kind of looking, looking at this, and I'm wondering if this is... I'm kind of wondering if this might be Ian's because it's talking about two different situations, but it also seems like it's something coming from water sign. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking Ian or Brian on this. 
Well, why don't we we should read them all before before you choose because I mean it's too early to to make that decision. I mean, unless you're okay. unless you're absolutely confident. All right, number 2. Things should start to look a little brighter this week. Probably, though, you won't be needing sunglasses to reduce the dazzling glare of all those shiny prospects. Your natural sense of caution is not about to desert you. You'll see drawbacks and downsides without anyone else needing to point them out to you. You'll naturally be aware that there's a price to pay for every potential advantage. Even so, you'll have to agree that the options and alternatives now on offer to you are better than those you've seen in quite some while. Well, it's been cloudy here in the Bay Area the last few days, so maybe that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just got some rain today. Uh, yeah, we we got a little. All right. You ready for number three? We are ready for number three. Okay, this is going to be a, a classical Shatnerian or, oration. As we approach the equinox, we find Venus and Mars close together in your sign. That explains your sensitivity, your creativity, and possibly, too, your irritability. For it to be its own domain must be considered auspicious. And it's always good to have Venus in your sector of the sky. <laughs> but even the best things in life are not entirely problem-free. You'll eventually forget the stress and the insensitivity you're feeling now. But you'll always remember the delightful experiences that you're about to have. <laughs> All right. I have to go back and check that one, but I think you said insensitivity there. You <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> <laughs> I've always. All right, Eric, you read the next one. All right, yeah. Do you feel as if you will be damned if you do and damned if you don't? Maybe you need to keep the company of folk who are a little less judgmental. You would certainly be ill-advised now to, to just do whatever you suspect will win you the most brownie points. You want to make an intelligent appraisal of all your options, and even if you apply endless brain power, you won't square, circle, or satisfy a particular critic. You may as well just ask yourself what feels right. Trust your instincts. Show some courage. Use the force, Luke. All right, I'll read this next one. Oh, something messed up. I was gonna have the computer read it. <laughs> oh, 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 fail. Technical difficulties. Yeah. Let's try this one more time here. Nope, total fail. What are we trying to do? Have the computer read it. Mm. It didn't work. Funky. All right. It doesn't believe in astrology. Yes, right. What you really need to happen this week. Think carefully before you answer. For there are, for you are under pressure. Even if you are not actually being told many different things by many different people, you are conscious of their other opinions and their other sub. sub These are sub. They are s subtly and sometimes not so subtly shaping your own ideas. How can you be sure what you feel or what you are thinking when you are taking so much into consideration and trying so hard to be honest? So many conflicting priorities. Draw breath. Try to become clear. Soon, all will be easier. All right, Ian. All right, Ian, do you want to do this at number six? Sure, why not? Give me the one with some S's in it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to alleviate stress, you could punch pillows or practice yoga. Or you could try. Oh, well, never mind. No, really, forget it. It's a silly idea. Now, look, I'm sorry I mentioned it. Let's change the subject, shall we? Oh, all right. If you really want to know, I was going to suggest a bridge building with you-know-who about you-know-what, an olive branch, maybe even an apology, a fresh start. Are you at fault? Is the other person? That's not the issue. The question is, do you want to move or stay stuck? 
Brian, did you pull that one from the onion? <laughs> I should have, huh? No, none of these are from the onion. They're all from the uh, from the Daily Fail or Mail, Daily Mail. All right. So, anybody got any picks on this? I'm thinking that these are reason. all ultra vague. Well, yeah. I'm. I'm. I've never studied astrology, so I really have no idea. I, I know mine's about balance and stuff. That's why I kind of was thinking Mac might be right about number one being Libra. I think but three beyond be that. You think three is Virgo? So wait, so Eric, you're taking number three. Yep. Eric talks about the equinox and being in your sign, so why not? Okay. All right. I'm actually going to take sensitivity, creativity. I'm taking number four for me. Mac is taking number four. Okay. Ian, which one are you? Which one are you going with? I'll go ahead and go with number one. You know that has a seems like the balance kind of thing. You don't want number six? (laughs) All right. Well, I, I really do hate those pillows, so, you know. Okay, so which one sounds like Jen? Which one do we apply to Jen here? What's left? Well, let's ask her, even if she can't even she if she it? can't uh, speak on here. Jen, we call you from okay, the here. other realm. The Ouija board is moving. That's right. It was okay. Okay. <laughs> it says, there's an answer coming. Sorry, which one is me? Oh, I hate it when the spirits <laughs> don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're asking you, Jen, is which one is you? Uh, I think the spirit got distracted. Jen, you are Jennifer. Brian, she can hear you. You don't need to type to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I shouldn't either because I, because my spelling is worse when I type. You jazz, so, huh? <laughs> That's right. You need to jazz. Zero. Oh, she's going to take number six. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, remember, Brian, so wait, so what we are, what have six horoscopes, and we have five signs here. Well, one of them Brian is me. Brian informed us before the show that one of them is a bogey. So since I oh, looked right. up Humphrey Bogart's birth date, and it is December 25th, that one that's a bogey must be a Capricorn. Okay, so two and five are left. Which one are you going to apply to me? Uh, I don't know anything about Scorpio. Um, we'll go with five. You Why want not? number five? Okay. All right. So... Eric took number three, and and Eric is our Virgo, and he chose Scorpio. Excellent. Excellent. Jen says still waters run deep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. All right, and Mac chose, Mac is an Aries, and he chose number four, which was Libra. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Ian. I guess the damp if you do, damp if you don't. Do damp if you don't. Yeah, damp if you don't, yeah. (laughs) Ian, who is our Libra, chose number one. Which was Virgo. Okay, not seeing it. <laughs> not seeing Virgo in there. Well, one of these... Yeah, I've been so it's not me. Number five screams Libra to me, but but um, we chose number six for Jen. Jen chose number six herself. Oh, that's right. Which was the only one that is correct, which it was actually Aquarius, and she is an Aquarius. Nice. <laughs> ah... All right. Score her. Ouija board win. Ouija board win yep. one. Victory is hers. <laughs> yep, yep. Victory is hers. I guess she the drank this day from the keg of glory. This is proof that the Ouija board works. <laughs> <laughs> and then for me, well, um, you chose number five, and number five was Aries. Okay. Which screamed Libra to me reading it. Huh. Which so one was right? Number two is Capricorn. Uh, I didn't put Capricorn. Which one was the fake? Um, What did I throw in here? And where was it from? uh, Taurus. I threw Taurus in here, and that was, uh, um, yeah, Taurus was number two. So no one chose the bogey. Nobody chose the bogey. Yeah, so So that's We all just want other people's lives, apparently. Apparently, except for Jen. (laughs) Jen Jen seems to like hers well enough. Jen's fine with sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I thought that that would be fun to, you know. It, It was fun, but all of these... Horoscopes are so 
utterly ultra vague that really there's no no value here whatsoever. And let me uh, let me throw out Brian, pops, props to Brian Thompson, who I've been listening to his Amateur Scientist podcast, and ask you, when you're talking about the Ouija board, are you talking about the original Ouija board or the Ouija board for girls? <laughs> yeah, there's the Ouija board for girl parties, yeah. Can you guess what color it is? Pink. Actually, I loved his comment about Monopoly for girls, which is just a big pink box full of instructions on how to marry a man who's enough to buy property. <laughs> hey, Jen just said she's black. And then the Ouija board groaned. So what's risk for girls, Mac? I don't know. <laughs> it bears thinking about, though, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, we got anything else, guys? I think we're done. Guys and Ouija board. All right, good night. You got to, you got to fix that wife of yours' computer mod. Yeah, well, I don't know what happened. All right, good night. Good night. Good night, all. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics oh, Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. Music for this podcast was provided by OMG. For more information about OMG, go to their website at MySpace.com forward slash OMGHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under a Creative Commons share alike, no derivatives, 3.0 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please do not edit or change the file.